0: We are beginning Matthew 6 as we continue through the Sermon on the Mount. I want to read verses 1 through 4 and then we'll come back and talk about them briefly. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise you have no reward are the three great spiritual disciplines Christian can and ought to practice. Jesus is going to discuss each of them in that order. I can't be sure, but His order may be suggested by the fact that in Jewish services they would uh, do their giving before they're praying. And then, of course, fasting is a an ongoing matter. I mean, you don't go someplace to fast. It's not part of a service. It's something that you're already doing. And so... Uh, for whatever reason, this is the order and that may have suggested it or it may simply be random. In keeping with the general tone of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to be interested more in inward motives than in the activities themselves. Uh, so He's not so much going to give us formulas for giving or praying or fasting as He is to, to expose and examine our hearts because it's always our heart life that is of interest and importance to the Lord. Uh, especially dealing in the society and the culture that he was dealing with where righteousness had become completely external, the outward keeping of the law. Uh, He's going to show, as he's done throughout the sermon, that you can give and pray and fast and, and do it completely mechanically and have no real connection to being spiritual or touching the heart of God. The giving mentioned in this passage is translated charitable deeds uh King James Bible, I think, uh, it probably translates it alms. And, and so this is the traditional alms for the poor uh, or taking an offering for the poor. <clears throat> and one thread that you could follow here, we're not going to, I'm just going to mention it, is that Jesus assumed that his followers would aid the poor in their distress. And so whenever we get fed up with the fact that there are poor people and they're always wanting handouts and uh, those kinds of things... Jesus assumed. Jesus said, "The poor you will have with you always," uh, and and so he seemed to know more about the foibles and failures of human government than you know people who are trying to establish socialism or Marxism or communism or even de, you know democracy for that matter. So there's always going to be poor people. It's just the nature of man. Uh, and he assumed that we would help those who are genuinely in need. Uh, our difficulty so often is identifying those who have a genuine need. Uh, and, uh, but that doesn't preclude us from making the attempt and, and putting in the effort. <coughs> Jesus wasn't forbidding receiving a public offering. I just want to uh, get this out of the way right now. His words before men have to do with the motive of giving. We have a good example of this in the book of Acts, which we just covered a, a week or two ago. Uh, Barnabas gave before men and it was uh, from a pure heart with clean motives. There were needs in the first church and so uh, he sold some property and he brought the proceeds to the meeting of the church and literally it says he laid it at the apostles feet. Now whether he came up and you know made a big show of it, obviously he didn't make a big show of it, but everyone knew about it, it was public. Then Ananias and Sapphira did something similar and that was an entirely different story. Uh, Outwardly, they did the same thing. Inwardly, there was a world of difference and and, uh, one led to greater life and ministry. The other kind of ended life and potential for ministry. (laughs) They went on a sabbatical, a death sabbatical. You could give privately... And still have a poor motive as well. This is another thing that, that, you know, if you want to look at the nuances of this, uh, I've known folks or known of folks who give unsolicited gifts and then later on get angry or offended when they don't receive recognition or thanks. Uh, You know, I'm giving you this with no strings attached uh, and then later on you find out there are strings attached. We had a situation like this once at Calvary San Bernardino, and it was more of a misunderstanding, I think, than anything else. But um, we uh, we announced that we were heading into a purchase of of the building that they're in now. It was a furniture store. We didn't really an- ask for any help or anything. We just announced, you know, that we were you know pray for it because we we're going to make an offer. Well, this gentleman in our fellowship who been coming recently and and that we believed they'd gotten saved there he came forward and he says hey I'm a realtor and I'd like to just help you with that you know free of charge uh and so that's fine you know uh, that that worked for us and and uh <coughs> the seller didn't want to pay any real estate fees and I forget exactly the details of of it but he helped us you know probably quite a bit and um I forget what month it was, but several months later, around tax time, he came in and asked if we could give him a, uh, a, well, actually it was after, anyway, he wanted a tax receipt for money that he never earned, basically, is what, you know, and we told him we couldn't do that, because that wasn't our original agreement, you know, he wanted a gift in kind, you know, I I did this for you, and I would have earned this much, and we just told him we didn't feel comfortable with that, and, and it created a really difficult time, you know, and so... So when people tell us that they're going to do something for nothing or for free, we don't believe them. Uh, you know, we we ask them what what does that really mean? You know, I mean, and so you just have to be careful. So you know, and I don't I don't know that he had a poor motive. He probably just misunderstood. Uh, but it's an example of how there are these misunderstandings, and and we need to be careful about that whole area. But you can give privately and still have a poor motive. And and so just because you're giving in secret doesn't mean your motives are okay. You're giving as you're led by God in order to please Him in your obedience and your future reward is not itself the motive as much as being pleasing to the Lord. Your future reward will just reveal that what you did was pleasing to the Lord and that'll be a reward enough. And so having expressed giving from poor motives, Jesus described it from pure motives in verse 2. He says, Therefore, When you do a charitable deed, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And I've heard it taught that the offering containers in the synagogues had a kind of trumpet shape uh, with a kind of a bowl on top and a narrow neck opening up into a a large container at the bottom. Uh, Therefore, when you put coins in, you could do it in a very ostentatious way, you know, one at a time and... You'd hear them clanging around down through the neck and getting to the bottom. And so, uh, I don't know if that's true or not. I really don't. I I didn't have enough time to research. I couldn't find anything on it yesterday. I just know that I've been told that. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there for you for further research. I rather think Jesus was exaggerating and simply portraying giving to receive glory from men as if you were followed around by a trumpeter. And every time you did something, say, do, 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 you know, <clears throat> what's that commercial? Is it? Can't, I can't believe it's not butter. Or do you remember? There's a trumpet in in a famous commercial. Parquet. Is it Parquet margarine? Yeah. And uh, I knew it was one of those where you just. Uh, here I'm giving my offering, and all of a sudden, do, 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 you know, and call. You know, everybody's attention is drawn to the fact that you're giving your offering. Uh, you, you know, because he will talk about not only in the synagogues, but also in the streets. And so, it's, I mean, even if there were these trumpet-fluted offering boxes or containers in the synagogue, there there probably weren't any in the street. He said this would happen when you'd pass beggars as well. You know, here's the crowd would gather, and I, Rabbi Shemai, is going to give you know money to this beggar and stuff. And so Jesus, I think we miss a lot of humor because we're so dialed into the intellect you know trumpet what could that mean and what well, it means what it means you know it's it's a ridiculous picture of of uh and trumpets meant a lot to the jews you know they had trumpets in their history uh gathering the children of israel in the wilderness and sounding different notes and alarms and different things like that and so uh they would i think a jew would find this comical uh and they might have even had uh, kind of in a contemporary thinking, you know, hey, the guy might as well sound a trumpet, you know, when he he makes such a big deal about his offering, he might as well sound a trumpet. So, at any rate, those are a couple of different ways you might want to think about that. Uh, The word hypocrite, as most of you know, literally means to be behind a mask. It was used of actors who often held up a mask before their faces to establish their character. Jesus is describing giving to receive glory from men you're acting as if you're spiritual when in reality you're drawing attention to yourself whenever you draw attention to yourself you're drawing attention away from God that's uh, it's very simple uh... and so uh, this is a bedrock principle of the christian life in whatever venue or situation you find yourself in If people are paying attention to you they're not paying attention to god uh, and this is why you know different fellowships handle it differently of course uh, some don't care about disturbances or, uh, you know, wild things going on in the audience. In fact, they like it because it gives them some indication that uh, God is in their midst, you know, uh, is what they think. Others have different rules and regs about who can be and what can they do and can they talk or raise their hands or kneel down, those kinds of things. Uh, and and it can be difficult. It's, it's not easy. Uh, you just don't want to draw attention to yourself, and so if you have that kind of idea and attitude, you're going to be okay. Uh, and so these men were drawing attention to themselves in their offerings uh, to appear spiritual, and it was consistent with their understanding of God and His righteousness. You know, the more you did self-righteous acts, uh, the the better you were before God, and so they wanted to call attention to. Them. They may have even thought they were doing other people a service, you know, and Sadly, some contemporary Christian churches do this, where they, you know, they pub publish who's giving what. Uh, they call attention to large donors and their gifts, whether publicly at the church or by putting plaques or letting you know that so and so just donated ten thousand dollars. Let's give them a round of applause or whatever. Th- those kinds of things fit into this category. As I mentioned, in the streets refers to stopping to help beggars. Glory for men is all that you can expect for this kind of behavior. And when you think about it, it's a paltry reward to be thought well of by mere men when you could be pleasing God. You know, I mean, what what do I care if you eight or nine guys applaud me uh, when I stand before Jesus at the judgment of Christ? I mean, that's when I really would... I'd like to reserve the applause for there, you know. Uh, Let's have a nice round of applause for, for Gene because he kept everything in secret, you know. So, in verse 3, it says, when you do a charitable deed, again, assuming that you would, he doesn't say if you do it, he says, when you do it, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. This is probably a proverbial saying, not a proverb from the Bible, but just a a proverbial saying like we have today, you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, whatever that means, but uh, uh, probably it's a, a local proverb In the context of doing charitable deeds, it implies a secrecy about deeds of kindness rather than acting to impress others. Uh, This wasn't an unknown practice. I understand that the Jews had what we would call a chamber of the silent for those who wanted to be anonymous in their giving in the synagogue. They could go in and give and no one knew whether they put anything in the offering box or not. Uh, kind of like a confessional only without the priest you know, it's a a giving booth you know which is i thought that now that would be kind of, we could have instead of an we could have offering boxes and then a giving booth for people everybody could pass through the giving booth and you wouldn't know if they gave anything or not and i guess not so some commentators say that once it was the tradition of the jews to give in secret this way But over time, with an emphasis on the outward importance of keeping the law, the Pharisees had brought giving out of the closet, as it were, and into public so that they could receive glory from men. And so uh, if that's the case, then Jesus is suggesting a return to that way of thinking. If not that very practice, but he's saying, hey, that's really a good idea. That captures the attitude that you should have in giving, let's give in secret. Again, I'd note that it's not therefore necessary to secretize our giving. Uh, and again, Acts would be our uh, example. The disciples came and gave alms openly and publicly. Uh, it's always the motive and not the method that is crucial. Here in this passage, it's your own left hand that is not to know what your own right hand is doing, not the other person's. not Not just that. It's not that I keep my giving secret from you. It's that somehow. I keep it secret from me, and the expressions therefore, because you know that's really impossible from one point of view. It, it seems to imply that we should avoid scheming or planning for our own advantage to gain attention from others. Uh, we should have our giving should be so secret that that I hardly even know. Uh, you know, in one sense, I don't even know what I'm doing. So how can someone else know? And so again, it's an exaggeration. Uh, in, in, to, to make this point don't give with strings attached one gives in complete trust when the gift is in the spirit of love and gives it for the good in the experience itself rather than for personal benefits resulting from the gift and verse 4 it says your charitable deeds may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly the great motivator for your inner heart motives is the constant realization that your father sees you in secret I'm a pretty careful driver. Uh, I normally come to a complete stop at intersections, but if I see a police officer, I come to a more abrupt complete stop for a much longer period of time, I've noticed. Uh, Yeah, and uh, there are times... I I do kind of a double stop sometimes where I stopped, and it was a real stop, you know, and then I see the cop and I I stop again, you know. Plausible deniability. My foot slipped off the brake and... uh, I stop and count to 55 or something, you know, and wave him through. You know, whatever you have to do. <coughs> in the case of your Father in Heaven, it's not so much out of fear of punishment as it is a joy to please Him. Nevertheless, the uh, thought here is that He sees you in the secrets of your heart and its motives. Uh, and then it says He's going to reward you openly. That could be in this life, but it's certainly at the judgment seat of Christ. What difference does it make what other men think of me? Uh, we should really just focus on the judgment seat when you will stand before the Lord and His angels, and maybe other men. I don't know how that's all going to wash out, whether it's a private meeting or more of a public meeting. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have PowerPoint or videos or what they're going to do. You know, but yeah, it'll all. <laughs> and we, at least it won't crash. <laughs> Giving, praying, and fasting. Most of us need to return to these basics. We might be stressing one or two over the other, or we might be deficient in all three. We might even talk our way out of them when we get to fasting. Uh, if I can remember uh, i 'll talk about some of the current evangelical intellectuals who try to prove that fasting is not a New Testament discipline at all that's very popular right now uh, i've read two or three articles about it heard a lot of guys talking about it you know they 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 Spend ten or fifteen minutes in a message talking about how there's why fasting isn't really for the church, and they cite you know friends of the bridegroom and this and that and the other thing, and of course one of the Bible teachers that's doing it is a ginormous glutton right now. You know he just eats everything in sight. You know, and I can see where he'd have a hard time fasting. (laughs) But uh, Jesus said he didn't say if you give or if you pray or if you fast. Uh, and I don't see why he would talk about giving and praying and fasting all in the same location if fasting wasn't for today. Anyway, so fasting is, has been a, uh, a spiritual discipline for, you know, ever since I can think of, as far as reading in the Bible and men who fasted uh, for various different reasons. And the fact that fasting is not commanded uh, doesn't mean that it, it's not compelled. Uh, and that it's not a good discipline for us in the New Testament era. So, when we do these things, and so each of us, uh, as a part of our Christian life, we should be examining our giving, uh, certainly our praying, and also our fasting. Uh, These ought to be done on a regular basis. They ought to be a regular part of our Christian life. And when we do them, we just need to make sure we do them from the heart in a way that can bring glory to God rather than to ourselves or to other men.